Hello everybody, a snowy Monday here in the Tri-State area. Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. I am John Schmelk, he is Lance Meadow. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. It's all presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Now, we've been telling you, by the way, that Big Blue Kickoff Live is going to be on its own podcast feed. Well, that started today. So from now on out, you can only find Big Blue Kickoff Live on the Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast feed. It's now separate from the Giants audio podcast feed, which would just be media vows and you know short interviews, things like that. So again, make sure you, if you're listening to this on the Giants.com or the Giants mobile app, make sure you go to Big Blue Kickoff Live's own separate podcast feed, find it, and subscribe. And Lance, I'm going to be quick here. We can go into a couple details as you desire. But I'm, after every game, I'm tired of saying turnovers cost the team. Unable to get the opposing team off the field on third downs, especially third and longs, cost the team. And chunk plays cost the team because it's literally the same exact thing nearly every week. You know, there are a couple things here or there. Last week, there weren't any turnovers. This week, there are. Uh, sometimes, you know, third down defense is okay, but the big plays are there, etc. Red zone here or there, whatever. But the bottom line is that the same problems keep cropping up. No one's solving anything. And it's a problem that just continues to persist, especially defensively. Uh, the Giants, I do not believe, forced one three and out this entire game uh, until the final drive when the Packers are running the ball out. So I do not count that. Uh, they only forced two punts in the game, and one was at the end of the first half, or three punts. One was at the end of the first half when the Packers were just trying to run the clock out, and the other was at the end of the game when the Packers were just trying to run the clock out. So they, in effect, really just had one. Yeah, which was the beginning of the third quarter. punt, which was the first yeah. drive for the Packers in the third quarter. Otherwise, the Packers had four touchdown drives, a field goal drive, drives of 72 yards, 66 yards, 74 yards, then some shorter ones off those giant turnovers. And here we are again. The Giants are now sitting at 2-10. and ten. Yeah, an eight-game losing streak for the first time since 2004, which was coincidentally Eli Manning's rookie year. Now Daniel Jones is essentially experiencing the same thing. You're right, John. I mean, we come back on Mondays. and Not we... what he wanted to copy from Eli. No, year, I don't think way. that was on no. the to-do list <laughs> in terms of duplicating Eli Manning's resume. That is for sure. But as you noted, we are repeating a lot of the storylines and a lot of the factors we're bringing up every single Monday when we're discussing losses. I will say this. The Giants did turn the ball over three times. Daniel Jones had three interceptions. But you know what? If you were to ask me, John, I don't think the turnovers is what cost them the game yesterday. I think it was more of what you alluded to with respect of the inability of the defense to get off the field on third down. That was the killer. Now, granted, interceptions are going to cut drive short. I get it. But... Green Bay was 7 of 13 on third down. Technically, John, they were 7 of 12 because the last third down was on that final drive where they took a knee. Does, so, that, does that 7 of 12, by the way, count penalties that turned the first downs? No, that so does not. it's actually Those probably are, more like 9 of 14 then because correct. They were a, there was a defensive hold and a defensive pass interference that did convert third downs. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to get to, and this is why I think it was so costly because the drive that— the Packers put together 14 plays, 75 yards. It took 7.15 off the clock. So this is a drive that started with 6.37 to go in the third quarter. And it ultimately made it a 24-13 game. So if you go to this drive, the Giants had three penalties. One of which was on the touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, which was too many men on the field. That was declined. We'll get to that in a second, John, because Aaron Rodgers brought up a number of interesting points after the game. He broke down that play, which I thought was quite interesting. So third and six at the Giants' 46. Devontae Adams, incomplete pass. Sam Beals called for defensive pass interference. So this is a third down that doesn't count against the 7 of 12, John, to your mm -hmm. point. But that's a conversion for Green Bay. Drive continues. Then later on in the drive, it's third and 10. The Giants do make a stop, but Matt LaFleur was aggressive. He went for it on fourth and 10. Rodgers hits Geronimo Allison for 15 yards. The drive continues. Giants so blitz five on that play, by the way, and Allison was one-on-one -on -one with Haley, and he ran a little crossing route. Uh, Rodgers kind of threw it off his back foot. Marcus Golden was a second late, and that's how they converted that first down. Yeah, which was a hell of a throw, by the way, by Aaron Rodgers. It but was. We're not telling you anything that you haven't seen during the course of his career. So moving along in the drive, third and two now, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams for six yards. Okay, that's a third and manageable. Maybe it's not necessarily getting on the Giants' defense in those circumstances, but an opportunity to get off the field. Still, the point remains the same. So they eventually get, this is where really things turn. It's first and goal <laughs> at the Giants' six-yard line. 
and first and goal from the six becomes second and goal at the one, and Antoine Bethea is called for a holding penalty. So that's the second penalty for those of you keeping so first count. First and goal at the one. So yes, first and goal at the one, and first and goal at the one becomes third and goal at the seventeen because the Packers were called for holding. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Giants defense, John. You had your backs against the wall. You recovered because of a mishap by the Green Bay Packers. And now you have yourself in a situation where, hey, we make a stop. We hold Green Bay to a field. Lance, it's really hard on a third and goal from the 17 to score a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard. There's just not a lot of real estate. and Confined space. Yeah. You you basically have 27 yards to work with. And if you're going for a touchdown, realistically, you have... 10 square yards to work with, or 15 if you want to try to throw it short of the sticks and then run in. From the five-yard line and in, right? That's about where you want to try to throw the football there to try to at least put yourself in a fourth-and-goal situation, maybe if you want to go for it on fourth down. So you basically have 15 yards of depth and then the width of the field. You know, the Giants, I think, rush four guys. So you have seven guys to cover those 15 yards going all the way across the field. Yep. For Devontae Adams to get his wide open as he was and he was wide open for a play like that for no one to be within five to seven yards of the receiver is mind-boggling and I could tell you what happened on the play because I watched it on tape Sam Beal was one-on-one with Devontae Adams he did a little fake to the outside little shoulder dip and Beal went that way Beal flipped his hips turned around instead of going outside Devontae Adams went up the seam and in the snow it's hard to for guys to change direction once they get going in one direction it's hard to stop and change you guys have all been out in the snow you know how it goes you're kind of just going in a straight line and that's how it's going to go and Adams is just wide open for a touchdown and that made it 24 to 13 and here to me Lance is where the interceptions hurt you because you get the ball back and you still have a shot now the problem is that the first interception happened on a third and 18 so you're probably not going to convert that anyway but the issue is that Shepard was open on the slant. So the Giants have it back. They're only down 11, 24, 13. And Shepard's wide open on the slant. Wide open in the middle of a cover two defense. Guys, wide open. And Jones air just... Air-mailed it. Air-mailed it. And we saw him do it earlier in the game on a Cody Latimer shallow cross. We saw him do it on a pass to Sterling Shepard that was more open than I thought when I watched it on tape. He could have thrown it for a touchdown earlier in the game. He threw that high for Shepard. That turned into one of the Rosas field goals. And he airmailed it to, to Shepard and went right to Darnell Savage. And that was pretty much the game because that gave the Packers the ball in Giants territory. They scored one more touchdown. And then that was it. So that's where the interception hurt, where you still have a chance to be in that game just down 11 with 14 minutes to go in the game. You're in it. You're still in the game at that point. But that interception pretty much was all she wrote. Yeah, well, I mean, it basically snowballed on the Giants after that drive. That's yeah. why I look at the 24-13 score as the true turning point because of so oh, many opportunities fair. to just get I think the defense turning, off the field. Turning point-wise, I yeah. think that third and 17 touchdown was the turning point of the game. Now, I agree with you. The other thing I wanted to add to your breakdown of that play, first of all, the too many men on the field penalty. Good point. Aaron Rodgers then discussed what he saw. First of all, he is so effective in picking up on confusion on the opposite end and snapping the ball quickly, which is what he did. Because when Rodgers spoke to the media, they said, can you walk us through what you saw? So he said he saw two substitutions that the Giants were trying to make. Now, if you go back and you watch that play, right at the top of the screen, and I tweeted this out, Deon Buchanan is hustling off the field. He's the guy that was still on the field when Aaron Rodgers, John, snapped the football. And Rodgers did it quickly because he saw that two men came on, but there was a little bit of confusion at the last second Buchanan runs off. And then what he also noticed was, you know, you talked about Sam Beal on the left side of the field. Alan Lazard is in the slot, John. Haley takes Alan Lazard as he runs up the slot, and Antoine Bethay goes with Haley Mm -hmm. over to Lazard. So when Beal was in an awkward position in terms of turning around, Bethay did not have enough of an angle to come over, and that's another reason, John, why Devontae Adams made a great break, wide open to your point, easy touchdown. Yeah, and we heard from Julian Love on the postgame, and he basically said to us, look, the defense wasn't completely set yet. And that's a Absolutely. situation where you know how Aaron Rodgers operates. If they're, if the Packers don't make a substitution, they don't have to wait for you to substitute. So you have to be very careful trying to make substitutions at that point of the game. But, you know, even if it's third and 12 after the offsides, you're still in great position, right? You're still in really good position at third and 12. But the fact that you let him get that wide open and you weren't ready to go, 
is just a, a, a big, big problem. Yeah, and, you know, explosive plays. I know that wasn't necessarily an explosive play, but that was another thing that reared its ugly head, more than More than 15 yards. It's explosive. Well, you know, the 40 ones are the ones that really jump out to me. The wide-open <laughs> touchdown for Alan Lazard. And then, remember, Lazard oh. also had another grab for 37 yards. Second play of the game. Yeah. You know, he, he had three is, catches in this game for over 100 yards. And Just three. That's the, it. And if you look at strategy or Carl Banks, which Arizona Giants first in 10 MSG, it was the exact plays that we illustrated. Under center, the Packers are either going to play action or run the ball. The Giants did a good job against the run, but those play action passes under center and those deep crosses and those go routes, it just killed the Giants time and time again. And, and we showed it to you guys on first and 10. It's nothing new. They, I mean, the Packers showed it during the year. That's what they do. It's part of their DNA. And it's another example of a get-right game as a result, John, because this was a Packers offense. Yeah, I understand they have Aaron Rodgers, and he could go off at any time, but this was not an offense no. that was lighting up the scoreboard. They had lost two of their previous three games. They had only scored 19 points in those two losses. They had eight points against the Niners. I'm not comparing the Giants' defensive personnel to San Francisco, okay? I don't think they're in the same stratosphere, but the point is the Giants have had games against teams, John, that come in in which they're struggling, or the numbers dictate one thing on paper. For example, the Packers had struggled to stop the run. They were giving up 126 yards per game. You know, on paper, once again, an attractive matchup that doesn't come to fruition. Uh, they did okay again the run of the game. They ran it better than they have probably since Saquon well, got hurt. They that, ran that's fair. No, uh, uh, no, you're Barkley, right. The numbers don't look terrible. Four and a half yards or carry. It's pretty good. But I go back to, and on a drive where I thought they did run the football well, an 18-play drive, Man. John, that mm -hmm. eats up nine and a half minutes, okay? Mm -hmm. Second quarter. And we have this debate all the time on this very program. Run the ball, eat up the clock, keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, right? Isn't that the philosophy? A lot of fans, a lot of callers we hear from you. You know, that's the best way to beat an opposition. Have him be a spectator. Okay, fine. So you put together an 18-play drive. You ate up nine and a half minutes. Rodgers became a spectator. And then the drive ends with a 27-yard field goal. So whoop-de-doo. Time of possession is great. If you don't do anything with it and you settle for three points instead of seven, it doesn't really mean much of anything. So that's where I go back to, yeah, the rushing numbers don't look bad compared to recent games, but I don't think it translated to anything. No. I guess that's my Well, message. and another part of it, too, offensively for the Packers, which is kind of where you started, heading into this year, Lance, or heading into this game, I should say, the Packers were the worst third and long conversion team in the league. On third and 10-plus yards, I think they literally had like a 6 or 8% conversion rate. It was a disaster. In this game, they were converting third and 13s like it was easy. Yeah. Like there was no concern they were even in third and 13 because the Giants couldn't get a pass rush. Uh, Beal and Baker struggled in coverage. Grant Haley struggled in coverage. Corey Ballantyne left with a concussion. Second one this year now. I'd be surprised if we see him for the rest of the year. We'll see. Uh, he'll go through all the protocols and all that stuff. And they couldn't stop the Packers on third and long. And you mentioned time possession. First half, the Giants had the ball for nearly had 19 minutes, and the Packers had it for just 11. Yep, they're still down 17-10. So it's a matter of what you do with it, and the Giants couldn't get stops, and uh, that's kind of where it was. One other quick note about your third down point. So Green Bay, as I mentioned, 7 of 12 on third down. Seven of those 12 downs were for eight yards or more that they faced. Wow, and that's a lot. The conversion rate turned out to be pretty good, regardless. So, you know, this is a team, once again, struggling on third and longs. Well, they took care of business yesterday against the Giants. And then we had the Janoris Jenkins thing after the game saying, uh, Jack Rapid, don't travel no more. I think that was the quote. Is that what it was? Something, Something like to that, that degree. Um, yeah. And look, I think that's him wanting to help the team win by trying to cover the best wide receiver. Now, I will say this. They tried to do that earlier in the year. Well, against Tampa Bay with Mike Evans. And and look that, at what Mike Evans and, did. And, and that did not go so well. So... Look, I get it. It's frustrating. For the most part, this team has stayed together. I, you know, Coach Shermer spoke today. He didn't think that was a shot. He said he'll talk to Jack Rabbit about being that vocal. But that's coming from a place of him trying to help the team win, not necessarily being a selfish player. Yeah, opinion. I would agree with you. I, I think, once again, when a team loses eight in a row, John, every quote tends to become a headline. And people are going to call in and say it's a distraction and this and that. Stop it. That's an overblown narrative. Actually, Antoine Bethay was asked about Janoris Jenkins' comments. And remember, Bethay's been with Betcher for quite some time. And he, as you just mentioned, John, had said, we did a little bit of that earlier in the season, referring to when Janoris Jenkins in the Tampa Bay game pretty much went with Mike Evans. and At least for the first half of that yeah, game. Yeah, and, and Mike Evans <laughs> had an absolute field day. He didn't do much of anything in the second half, but he had that play that could have ultimately set up Tampa Bay for a game-winning field goal, but... Bruce Arians decided to take the delay of game penalty. That's a whole other thing, which we don't need to revisit. 
So getting so back to the point today, that. well, I just, I, <laughs> don't, don't, it don't, frustrates don't, me. Don't, 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 it's don't, a don't, don't. whole other can of worms <laughs> that will remain closed yes, on this program, okay? Don't poke the bear, okay? Because <laughs> the bear is going to claw back, okay? You should know that quite well. This is not your first rodeo. It is not. And some of the callers, it's not their first rodeos either, okay? So let me be clear. But getting back to the point, Antoine Bethay did refer to the Tampa Bay game and said that after that— Did he refer directly to the Tampa game? Well, he said earlier in the season, and then I believe— I'd have to go back to the transcript. I could check it during the show. I think then a reporter followed up by saying, are you referring to the Tampa Bay said, game? Yeah, and he then confirmed that. that. And then there was a discussion about how, you know, after that game, Betcher decided to make some adjustments, and they had went in a different direction with respect to the scheme. And then I'll just bring up one more big-picture thing. There were some good things littered throughout the game, and we can touch on that as we take your calls. But I want to get through one Pat Shermer quote that he had at the end of the game here that I think we're going to get questions about the coach. We get it. We understand. The team was like, guys, here's the bottom line. The team was eight in a row. That means nobody's doing a good enough job. Everyone knows that. Okay? So no one's going to try to tell you that's not the case. Top to bottom. You lose eight straight. You're two and eight. And you have the second worst record in the NFL. Things aren't going right. And that's not a one thing problem. That, that's an everybody problem. So th this was Pat Shermer's quote after the game, and I'll just read it to you because we're probably going to reference it a lot over the next four weeks as we get a lot of these phone calls. So get ready to hear it and get comfortable with it. He was asked, how concerned are you that the progress you see going on behind the scenes, as Pat Shermer has referenced that time and time again, isn't showing up in regard to wins and losses on Sundays? And here's what Pat Shermer had to say. I'm always concerned that we don't win. This is another feeling question. I'll feel better when we win games. If you're wondering how I feel, I'll feel a lot better when we win games. I do see you get an opportunity to watch us probably 20 minutes a day and you report on it. This is a historically young team that's going out there and competing against some really good football teams. We've got to do what we have to do to win games, and I understand that. They also are developing. At some point, we'll be good enough to win. And then the follow-up question, and this is the more important quote, but I wanted to give it context. You know that you're obviously being judged on wins and losses. And this was Pat Shermer's answer to that. I'm well aware of it. I'm well aware of it. People will change what they think of us and me when we win games. I'm a realist when it comes to that, and I get it. And you know what? When you don't win, I expect what is written and said and what people think. I expect fans to be upset because we are too. But we go about trying to fix it. 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Before you get to calls, just real yes. quickly, I brought up the Bethay transcript because I just want to be very clear. The question was, in the past with Betcher, you did travel. Patrick Peterson traveled, referring to his days in Arizona. You said this year you've done it was asked to Bethay. Bethay's response was, quote, we did it against Tampa, end quote. So he confirmed that. Then the follow-up was, but obviously not as much to his liking. The question was referring to Betcher, and then Bethay answered, to his liking, right, end quote. Just for clarification purposes. Okay, let's go to the calls at 201-939-4513. Let's go to Brandon in New Jersey. He'll lead us off today. Brandon, what's going on, bud? Uh, how's it going? Um, I have first question. Uh, do we have a... Uh press availability for uh, Mr. Gettleman yet at uh, all. No, Dave has not spoken to my understanding to the media since training camp. All right. Well, yeah. I feel like he's got to step to a podium, man, because it's he, not right that well, he, he never does that. It's taking all these bullets. Yeah, but Brandon, Where, I, Brandon, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but if you look at Dave Gettleman's track record, even when he was in Carolina, his belief is the coach is the face of the franchise during the season, and the coach speaks for the team. And Gettleman then will address the media after the season. That's how he's always done it. So, you know, for you to question that, I, I just don't think you're looking at his track record. That's how he's always operated. He's not doing anything differently this season than he hasn't done in the past. Well, I understand fans wanting to hear from him, but Brandon, that's how he wants to do it because he's afraid if he says certain things, he might undercut the coach, and he believes during the season the coach wants to have the war. Trust me. I, 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 fair. I, get I, I think that's fair, you guys, but the one thing I'm trying to say is this is an usual situation, I think, because so far in the offseason, when he did speak, he said basically we got a three-year plan. Basically, right? And it, tell me about Daniel Jones in three years, right? Isn't mm -hmm. that what we got? Yes, pretty much. The problem is, in the process of it, we're watching the team, and I think we're losing because of talent, period. Point blank period. I don't. I know the coach has some things to do, and there's not. He hasn't done everything perfect, Shermer. But I don't think it like real time losing is why he's on the hot seat. It's. But if you look at his three year plan, 
and then what we're doing on who we're picking up, what we're doing on contracts, things like we've had um, Bletcher as a defensive coordinator now for two years. He runs a 3-4. Everybody knows that. Look at the trade we had this year. That has nothing to do with the defense that's on this team. What does that and, mean? No, no, hold on, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. What does that mean? Because, uh, be, be, well, because well, Leonard Williams played in a 3-4 with the Jets. The heart and soul of your, your defense is really those linebackers. They cover everything. Okay. They're stopping your run. Okay. They cover some, sometimes they end up on slot. You have to have a superstar somewhere on there. Somewhere. I know they put Marcus Golden this year, so that's good. But really, we haven't addressed a linebacker in a draft or looking for that, that key talent that you're really only going to get through really expensive free agents or in a draft. Since before Jerry Reese got there, meanwhile, Bletcher has been the defensive coordinator. We've had linebacker problems for years. But then we all go, ah, the defense, it's, you know, that's where we're losing games. And then when we say, okay, well, what needs to change? Uh, oh, it's the coach. Well, and no, it's the talent on the field. It's not going to get any better this year. Okay, you Brandon. Write it off. Brandon, I... But at some point, somebody's got to take some other bullets than Mr. Shermer. Because, yes, he's not doing everything great, but he should not be the only one out here. He is, still has to play with what's on this field. No, Brandon, I, I understand. I'm with you. I, I, I got you. But what's the difference between Gettleman speaking now and speaking four weeks from now? Just take some of the pressure off of Mr. Sherman. No, but here's the problem. No, but Brandon, here's the problem. No, but Brandon, no, but Brandon, Brandon, no, but Brandon here's the thing. Pressure. Brandon, but if, if he ask, gets asked certain questions and he answers them a certain way— that might ratchet the pressure up on Shermer, not calm it down. You know what I mean? Because, for example, I guarantee you, if Gettleman talks, the first question he's going to be asked, or maybe the, one of the first three, is, is Pat Shermer going to be your coach next season? And if well, they and, and what he does is usual. <laughs> moves on past it. You know. Yeah, no, but no, but Brandon. Here's the thing. No, but here's the thing. If, if he say, doesn't hey, say yes, no, but Brandon. No, yes, he can dance around the question. But if he doesn't say yes, Pat Shermer is going to be back. That translated to the back page of the newspaper is going to be Pat Shermer job on the line in final yeah, four it games. Opens it so up the for pressure goes up, not down. You know what I mean? Uh, I could see that. I just think that it's it's just – and my I know the coaches there. And listen, I'm not dissolving Mr. Shermer of everything that's wrong with this team because I think, number two things he could do differently and he'd be a lot better off. Number one, let Shula be the offensive coordinator, not just a play designer, I think was his exact words. No, no, let him do it. You pay attention to the game finally. And then, uh, and then number two, stop accepting answer uh, like mistakes as oh, it's a learning experience. Start pulling people for mistakes. You can't make this mistake on my field. You got to come stand next to me if you made the mistake. Those are two things. I think if he just implemented those things, he'd be better off, and we wouldn't have this hot seat thing, even if we're going to lose. Because again. We're looking at a three-year window of anything, anything that remotely looks like football again. And I, I, I just don't think it's right. So, uh, I mean, that's why I was at with it, you guys. Uh, I'll, I'll take the rest of you off there. All right, you Brandon. Know? No, I appreciate it, Brandon. Call. Good call. Fair stuff. We get it. And look, fans are frustrated. You want to hear from the guy in charge. I understand. But I think the Lance and I's point, it's more appropriate, at least in Dave Gettleman's eyes, to do that after the season. And I think we explain the reasons. Why. Well, you know, I'm going to bring up some comparisons, John, because I just think perspective is important. I understand Giants fans, sometimes they live in a bubble and they're really only worried about their team. But you know, Jerry Jones, who is the general manager, too, of the Dallas Cowboys, after every Cowboys loss, he holds court with the media, John. And he does and, two radio hits during the yeah. week. And every time he says something, whether it be <laughs> good or bad or whether the intention is good or bad, John, right. what becomes the headlines? Jason Garrett's on the hot seat. He's a lame duck coach. I don't think at the end of the day that does any good for the team as well as the state of Jason Garrett. So I think you were hitting on that point, and I would agree with you. The other thing I wanted to bring up, John, the Bengals won their first game yesterday. Now, I'm not going to Bengals.com all the time. I do keep track of the league because I cover the league, but I don't remember the Bengals general manager talking through the first 11 losses of the season and coming to some explanations as right. to why the team is struggling. When the Dolphins were losing, I don't remember Chris Greer, the Dolphins general manager, holding a press conference. So once again, when you look around the league, I don't think the Giants are doing anything differently than the rest of the teams are doing. And Jerry Jones, to me, is the exception of the rule because he's an owner and a general manager. I, I'll go to a different sport for, for, sure. the, for the other team I cover in town. Oh, I know Knicks. where we're going now. Or 
I don't cover. I'm not there every day like the B writer, so I blog about. I'll use that as a as a term because I don't want to take credit away from the B well, guys. John they're, they're, John they're Nyland by himself. Excuse me. No, no, go no. Ahead, yes. I, I don't want to try to take no, credit that, for something I'm not fine. doing. You deserve um, a place in your own stratosphere. But go ahead. Yeah. After ten games this season, the Knicks were two and eight. They were terrible. So the owner, oh the press conference, ostensibly forces his general manager and team president to have a press conference. In the press conference. They actually give David Fizdale a vote of confidence. If you actually just read the words and forget about the context of the press conference, you just read the quotes, they say, we have faith in David Fizdale. We think he can do a good job. We, we believe in our program. We think we're heading in the right direction. Those are the words. Every single headline the next day, <laughs> David Fizdale's job is on the line. Yeah, well, just because they spoke. So that's why Dave Gettleman, again, this is what, I'm assuming this. He hasn't actually said this to me, but that's, I imagine, is why he operates the way he does because he doesn't want to be constantly asked, well, what about the status of the coach? How about the status of the coach? This, 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 this. You guys will have a chance to hear from him after the season. And the same questions you have about personnel decisions in the roster no, can be asked be then yeah. as, as, as they are now. Yeah, he spoke at the end of last season, and mm -hmm. he, he spoke right after the season. So, I mean, I'm assuming that he's going to follow a very similar game plan. But, you know, once again, th that's how he operates. I think a lot of people also, John, have the tendency, if memory serves me correct, I'd say for the most part consistently, Jerry Reese did usually have a bi-week presser, right? Am I he wrong say about that? anything at the no, bi-week no, 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 presser, but, well, but he did have No, no, one, but yes. he, he tended to do that consistently, yeah. right? So I mm -hmm. guess I think Giants fans got used to that. And then if Gettleman, if Gettleman doesn't do that, then they're sort of looking for, well, Reese did it, so why doesn't Gettleman do yeah. it? But once again, it's a different individual. And you got to go back to Carolina. He never did that. So he's just carrying on his same script. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to John in Pennsylvania. He's up next. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? We're good, John. What's up? All right, John. Uh, so as a Giants fan, you know, personally – as soon as we handed the ball over to Daniel Jones, it really wasn't about record for me, right? They, they, kind of realizing that a rookie was taking the reins, and we were probably going to do a good amount of losing, not just because of that, but because of the youth. Yeah, that's fair. The, I, the, the issue, which you touched on earlier, is the fact that, at least on the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't seem like there's progress that's being made. And that is an issue, and I think somebody loses their job because of that. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, both of you, what would be your opinion if you're John Mara at the end of the year? What would you do? Oh boy, that's 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 putting us on the spot, John. Look, I think. Well, and I and I, and I know you. I know you got to interview these guys, but I, I mean seriously. I mean, do you make a personnel move? The top three. Do you hold Pat and let these guys, you know, have their three-year run to see what happens with you know the free agency? Uh, what do you do? You don't have to name names, but what are you thinking personally? This is this is how I would approach it, okay? And and this is the best answer you'll get out of me, John. Because like you said, we're in the building. We work with these guys, and I'm not yeah. going to call for people's jobs. That's not what we do here. I think if you're ownership, you say, look, giving anyone just two years to do something in the NFL is, is probably too short, especially given the first year for this team and Dave Gettleman was really tearing the roster down. There's only been really one year of building up, and there's only been two drafts, and it takes young guys sometimes a while to get going. So, yes, I agree with you there. Two years is a short time. But then I think you take a look at the bigger picture and you say, look, do I think that this is going to where I need it to go with, and are the people that are there going to bring me to where I need to go? And they will have to consider that question when they decide if it helps the team in terms of their long-term prospects to stay the course and keep continuity, as Lance likes to mention. You know, teams don't have success when you're constantly making change. Continuity is a good thing. Right. But continuity with the wrong people isn't necessarily a good thing. So he has to take a look at the results, what he's seen internally, how Coach Schirmer handles things internally. The team does still play hard for him, despite those types of mistakes you're talking about. And you have to decide that if the talent gets better and the team is better, are these guys the right guys? Do they still believe in them to lead this team where they want to go? So that's going to be the thought process. Where ownership comes down on it, your guess is as good as mine. 
Um, I think the last four games are going to be significant to see if we see some of those changes and improvements you're talking about, maybe not making some of those same same mistakes on defense. But when they take a look at it, those are the things that that they're going to consider when they make that decision. Yeah, the other thing that I would add, John, and you you hit my viewpoint right on point because you know where I stand when it comes to continuity. All you need to do is look at the franchises across the NFL that make coaching changes, you know, once every two years. They don't go anywhere. Cleveland, to me, is an example. Miami, you can't become a revolving door. The Jets is another team that comes to mind. Daniel Jones's future and his development, John, I think is another part of the conversation in terms of what you do with respect to the coaching staff because you just drafted a guy who you clearly feel very strongly of. You believe he's going to be the franchise quarterback. I bring up right. Alex Smith as an example. Alex Smith worked with about seven different offensive coordinators, John, in the early stages of his career. And as a result, it stunted his development, in my opinion. And when it got to the point where they finally brought in Greg Roman and they had John Harbaugh, it's no surprise Alex Smith took off and became a very reliable quarterback who took care of the football and helped the Niners win a number of games. You have to evaluate that. You have to have that conversation. If we change certain positions, certain coaches, how is that going to impact Daniel Jones? If we ask him to learn a new offense, how is that going to impact Daniel Jones? All of those things you have to take into consideration in addition to what you're seeing from the team. And there's always the question of, is this a coaching issue or is this, to your point, John, the lack of talent at certain areas? So if we up upgrade the talent area, do we still have the structure and continuity with the coaching staff that's going to help us continue to improve and win football games? And those are tough questions. Yeah. Well, and, and do, you guys, do you guys have numbers as far as the youth on our team? I, I mean, historically, are we very, very young the, um, as far as snaps played for rookies? I, I can, I can tell you this year the Giants have had more snaps by rookies than any other team in the league, and it's not particularly close. Yeah, okay. Okay, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. No, no problem, yeah, you John. Got it, John. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, I could bring up the uh, snap counts uh, just to take a look at, you know, who's been getting a bulk of it. You know, Julian Love now is being asked to do a lot more than think he was it, look, previously. Dexter Lawrence, full-time starter. Julian Love, full-time starter now. Uh, Sam Beal slash DeAndre Baker. They're basically sharing full-time starter snaps. Uh, until the injury, Corey Ballantyne was basically the full-time slot corner. Go offensively. Um, Daniel Jones, obviously, full-time starter. Darius Slayton, full-time starter. Sure, that's like seven guys right there already, yeah. which is 30% of your starting 22 that are rookies. Well, and here's, the, and here's the other thing, John. If Ryan Connolly doesn't get hurt, point. he's playing a lot too because, you know, he had a starting job right before, unfortunately, he went down. So, yeah, you know, you're talking about the nucleus on both sides is composed of a number of young players. Not to mention Barkley's second-year guy, Lorenzo Carter's second-year guy, B.J. Hill's second-year guy, Julius Pepper's third-year guy, you know, Will Hernandez's second-year guy. You know, John Halapio basically has two years of experience as a starter. Actually, I take it back. This really is first full year of experience as a yeah, starter. Yeah, because he got hurt last Correct. year very early in the season, so, week two. Look, and it's not an excuse. It's a reason. Now, as coach, as the quote I gave you, we're developing players, but it has to show up on the field eventually too. So those are the criteria that I'm sure ownership will will take a close will take a close look at um, when they make whatever decisions uh, they're going to make when the season's over. Remember, there's still four games to go. A lot can change in a month in football. You know, everyone thought that the Jets were the worst team in football a month ago. Then they win yeah. three in a row. They love them. Then they lose to the Bengals. They hate them. Everyone week to week league. Everyone thought the Dolphins were losing on purpose. Now they have three wins. So you just don't know. You just don't know. Things change. 201-939-4513. Back to the phones. Uh, let's go to line two. Scott in New Mexico, Pearson. Scott, what's up? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? We're good, Scott. Hey, Scott. Um, it really doesn't matter whether it's the coaches or the players. We get right down to it. The Giants are scoring right now. Uh, I think they're averaging just about 15 points a game, which is second worst in the NFL. And they're third worst in the NFL in, in points given up. They're giving up about 28 points a game. It's, that's why it equates to a 2-10 and 10 season. So my query is more to do with mental discipline aspect, which hasn't been solved since the first game of the season. And we talked about this in some other broadcast that I was on with you guys. And I want to make it analogous to what you guys do. Uh, you're prepared. Uh, you know your analysis. You've seen the plays. You've seen the games. Some more than others. Uh, and, and you have a general understanding of, of, more so than the fans, I think, of what's actually happening on the field. And there was a play 
that I sort of exemplifies what I'm feeling for, uh, from a disappointing point of view. Uh, I don't know if you remember the play. It was uh, the first long pass play that, uh, uh, what do we call it? Uh, Rogers? Rogers or Lazard? Uh, yeah, Lazard. You know, yeah. Rogers made to, I think it was David Lazard. Yep. And if you looked at the or play, Allen. there were two guys, uh, Janoris Jenkins and DeAndre Baker, in the area. And then Antoine Pate wasn't even in the picture, was sort of loping towards them. Do you know who had coverage on that play or how that play even developed? I don't, I don't know what the play call was, obviously, based on my rudimentary knowledge. And I kind of try to show it to some people to see if I think I'm on the right track. It looked like what they call an inverted cover two. And an, okay. inverted, an inverted cover two zone is basically, you know, the normal cover two zone has the cornerbacks playing closer to the line of scrimmage and the two deep safeties playing the two deep coverage, right? That looked like, to me, an inverted cover two, where the safeties come down, they play the short middle of the field, the linebackers go out, play short flats, and the cornerbacks end up going deep, and they play the two deep zone area of the field. So... I again, this is just a guess on my part. I don't know for sure if this is true. Okay. From my look, is that Jenkins had the deep side of the field where the player had started, and then as he takes that deep cross across the field, he heads into the area where De- where I think it was DeAndre Baker on that specific right. play should have been dropping back into that deep left period of the field. And you know he was too shallow to start, and then he had trouble picking up the ball in the air. So when he went back, he couldn't locate it in the air and 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 knock it away. Okay. So is that, uh, again, going back to the mental discipline part, the coaches are obviously trying to get the players to do what they want them to do, yet from the beginning, again, they're not able to do it. So the real key is, are there wholesale, and this is related to obviously the other calls that called earlier, are there wholesale changes that have to be made? Obviously, this is not going to be a, a different, it's not, it's not going to be the same team it was this year. And I know, Lance, you addressed it a number of times, this is a week-to-week league, and also season to season, there's going to be a totally different look to the Giants next year. So what are the requirements or what are the things that have to be done in order to make this Giants a competitive team? And I'll be glad to take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Hi, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. Well, listen, if we go back to you know what John and I were talking about earlier with respect to you're putting a lot of snaps in the hands of young players, you understand that there is going to be some ups and downs. Some rookies translate their skill set immediately from college to the pros. Other guys, sometimes it takes a season before they just get comfortable. And then year two, sometimes it clicks. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer. So, you know, to go back to Scott's question, John, I think there's going to be some guys that you figure, okay, they're going to learn an awful lot from going through the ups and downs this season, and you hope that they're better prepared. The nucleus of the guys that were drafted this year and the last year, you know, I don't think Dave Gentleman, when he evaluates the roster, is going to say, we got to bail on now all of these young guys, okay? Let's not be naive. You don't turn the roster over so much with the youth. I think you maybe try to bring in some veterans that perhaps you could get some better production out of. You look to, to me, bolster the depth chart. Remember, the Giants were playing a lot of games this season where, you know, they were without Sterling Shepard. They were without Evan Ingram. Golden Tate now misses a game. So you want to feel as if there's not perhaps a drop-off or you're not relying on further youth on your depth chart and you have guys on the second and third layers who can come in and the level of production doesn't drastically fall off. So I think those are the things, if I'm Dave Gettleman, and this is just my own personal opinion, that I think he's going to look to address as he tries to construct a roster for next season. Big Wheel Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter in the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Teray in Pennsylvania on line one is up next. Hey, Teray. Hey, guys. How you guys doing today? Hey, we're good, Teray. Thanks, Ray. Trying to survive the snow. What's up? <laughs> I'm trying to survive these losses, man. Yeah, well, us uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just want to take you guys back to something Gettleman said before the season started. He had one of his press conferences, and a reporter asked him something about the defense. And he said, playmakers. He need playmakers. I don't see what he did to bring playmakers in. I mean, I understand we got Golden. He's doing fine. but the rest, Offensively or, or defensively, you're talking about? Talking D- about defensively? Defense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, defensively. I got you. Um, so my question is, with the money we're going to have this this off season, is he likely going to bring us some top quality playmakers, or 
we're just going to go with more young players. If we go with more young players, I think the situation is never going to change. Now, I'm not going to say uh, we should fire the defensive coach because I, I said that when, uh, to you guys last time before, and you guys literally hanged me out the drive for that. No. But, <laughs> when was that, Teray? <laughs> but what, what I'm, my question really is, like, well, who fault will it really be? I mean, we're, we're into week 13, and it's still the same thing on defense. No pressure. Linebackers is not holding up. The secondary, giving up big plays. So, I mean, if we're going to say, okay, it's a young defensive squad, we don't have playmakers, I mean, I mean, what do we do? I mean, I've never seen the Giants defense look this bad, man. I've no, been a Giants fan for almost 30 years now. No, that's and right. I look, I'm with you. Seen, never seen a defense look this bad. So Trey, look, I, I, I want to know, with the money we have, I mean, we got to get somebody in here, man, that can that we need we need some big time studs. So that means that he might have to spend money just like Reese did. Yeah, I mean, look, Trey. Get some guys in here to turn this ball club around. I mean, because the young players is not going to do it because it's going to take them a while to develop. Yeah. I mean, so hey, look, Trey. Here's here's how I look at it. I think you have to. I think you need to bring in one stud. Like if you're looking at defense in the free agency, if they don't bring in one really good top defensive position player at some level of the defense, I'd be surprised. You have that much yeah. money, you're going to bring in at least one stud. Whether that stud ends up being an inside linebacker, like the Jets maybe tried to add C.J. Mosley, or if you're looking right. at a, uh, a an edge rusher, the way the Packers added is a Darius Smith and Preston Smith, Preston, yeah. maybe something like right. that. Yes, I'm with you. Do I think they go out and sign three of those guys? No. And you're right. I, I, I don't recall your, your previous call. If we were rough on you, I apologize. But it, <laughs> we're at the point of the season now where you've had so many of the same issues crop up and you've had so many issues where you have to look at everything. You know, everything has to be under examination at this point. And then when you do that examination, you decide – what path you're going to go down, and you do a. I, I don't. I haven't looked enough at the free agent class to know what position you target in free agency, what position you target in the draft. It looks like right now the Giants will be picking second overall right now if they're yeah. in the draft, which means yeah. that you know that could be Chase Young, which would be really really nice. And then maybe you don't have to spend a, a bajillion dollars on a pass rusher. So I think that's kind of where you're at, and you evaluate everything once the season's over, and you decide your best play, way forward because you're right. They do need to add difference-making playmakers that other teams have to account for. Because right now, I don't think you have somebody on this defense where you head into a game and the other team says, look, we have to game plan for this one particular player. Leonard Williams is a good player. I just don't know if people are game planning for him quite yet. You know what I mean? Well, and here's the other thing that you need to take into consideration, Teray. Green Bay, to me, is an excellent example that John just brought up because the Packers were not a team that went on a spending spree. If you look at them historically, they really built their defense through the draft with the exception of Julius Peppers. And by the time they brought in Peppers, he wasn't necessarily still, you know, in the prime of his career. Charles Woodson back in the day. Charles Woodson, but that's another guy later in his career. And then, you know, also wound up changing positions too. But Green Bay has drafted Jair Alexander, and the reason I'm bringing up this team is because you saw these guys yesterday, Darnell Savage at safety, who had one of the interceptions. They complimented him with Adrian Amos, who they brought in from the Bears, free agent safety. I think Kenny Clark was a draft pick, right? Kenny Clark was a draft pick. And then Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. So I don't think you were saying when you were bringing in the term, you know, star-studded, I guess the way that I interpret that, Teray, is... You're not necessarily looking for a home run wow me name. You're looking for production value. You know, you could right. go out and get quality free agents, but they don't necessarily have to be like guys that are on commercials all the time. I think that to me is something that is synonymous with when you say go out and get a star. Very few times in the NFL, the team that wins free agency, it actually translates to wins. Okay. You're not trying to put yeah. together the Eagles dream team. You're trying to spend <laughs> your money wisely. And and the reason I bring that up is because you brought up 2016 and Jerry Reese spent a lot of money and it did help the team but it helped the team essentially for, for the short year. term yep. for one year mm-hmm. okay he brought in right. snacks he brought in Olivier Vernon he brought in Janoris Jenkins all players that filled needs and all players that produced but after 16 then all of a sudden you realize there were some other issues and you had a lot of money bottled up in three players your base has to be homegrown yeah. talent so you got to do it combination wise. It's got to be youth, and then it's got to be those complementary free agents that you know are going to get good bang for your buck. Because, and once again, I'll let you continue. The Chicago Bears, Khalil Mack was acquired via trade. 
Leonard Floyd was drafted. Roquan Smith was drafted. Eddie Jackson was drafted. They did not go out and buy all of those guys. And they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, you know, the free agent money. Yeah, Keem Hicks. The free agent money doesn't always necessarily work. Kyle Fuller's another guy, Mm -hmm. too. You know, a lot of those guys were drafted in Chicago, and that's why the defense is good because the nucleus is strong that way. Finish up, Terry. What else you got? All right, one quick question. I'll take this question off the air. Yes, sir. I mean, to me, it just seems like the offense is fine. I mean, maybe we need some more little offensive line players. Maybe we could get that through the draft. But, I mean, I think we should, just like last year I felt, I think the defense needed to be the top priority. I think we need that top priority again this offseason. So I just want to know, if you guys was in that general manager position or even the, you know, the – yeah, the GM position. What would you guys? What would be your guys' top priority? And I take that question off here. Thank Thanks, Terry. Well, you know, first, John was in Pennsylvania trying to make us the owner. Now he's trying to make us the GM. <laughs> Do well, we get the salary with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we're handing out this advice, yeah, might as well get reciprocated please. accordingly. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it for a week and take that sounding and get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think defense was a priority last year, but quarterback's always the top priority, and, and that's always the most important position on the field. So when they have a chance to draft that top quarterback and you think he's your guy for the future, and it looks like Daniel Jones has the chance to be that guy, we don't know either way yet, but I think early signs are that he's got something. Where his arrow is going to wind up and his star is going to go, we don't know. Um, not everyone's progression is linear. That's not how the world and athletes work. So we got to see where he winds up. But after that, look, Dexter Lawrence, defensive player, right? DeAndre Baker, defensive player. O'Shane Zimenez, defensive player. So your second first-round pick. Ryan Connolly, too, if you continue your, to go on. Your third, fir- your third first-round pick and your third-round pick. So three out of your four selections were all defensive players. Then you throw Connolly on, th- on, on top of that. Four of your first five picks were defensive players. So... Do I think defense is going to be another focus of this year's draft? Yeah. I also do think, as Trey pointed out, you do have to start getting younger on the offensive line. Your two tackles are on the wrong side of 30. You know, John Halapio, he's almost 30. I think he's like 28, John Halapio, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Still in his prime, but that's a, a spot that you keep an eye on. You know, Zeitler and Hernandez are under contract. I wouldn't expect anything to happen at guard. but 28, Halapio. 28, yeah, exactly. So... I think that's what you look at. But, yeah, look, I'm with Teray. I think defense is going to be a huge focus this offseason, whether you're looking at free agency or the draft. Because, guys, look, I mean, Teray's not wrong. I mean, the the type of chunk plays and third down, third and long conversions I've seen this defense give up consistently, I haven't seen it here a whole lot. Yeah, I think it goes without saying. I mean, listen, even if you didn't watch the Giants play much this season, if you look at statistically, you know, where they're at right now in a number of categories, uh, how can you not say that defense is a priority? Going back to, you know, the top of the draft last year, I don't think it's debatable if you're high on a quarterback, you don't hesitate because it's so hard to find the franchise quarterback. But, you know, for those of you that want to play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game with Josh Allen, for example. By the way, I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot about Julian Love. You have your draft list Love. up there. So well, and Corey Ballantyne, too, by the way, later so on. So after Jones, your next five selections we're all defensive players. Pardon me. Sorry for interrupting. No, n- not a problem. Well, that's why I threw out even Ryan Connolly. I mean, mm-hmm. the focus from top to bottom was the defense. I mean, I know Chris Sladen didn't ultimately make the roster, but even in the seventh round, you also addressed defense. And by the way, Julian Love played pretty well in that game yesterday. Second straight game, he's done a nice job. I've been happy with what I've seen from him so far. Yeah, which is encouraging because you want these young guys to do well considering, you know, it goes back to, you know, that's the nucleus of the team. I I guess what I was going to bring up was not to get off on a whole tangent, but, you know, the debate for a lot of people still is, you know, well, what would have Josh Allen, for example, done for this defense? Well, look at Jacksonville, for example. You know, Josh Allen was added to a defense that I thought on paper was really good and was one of the most opportunistic defenses in recent history. You know, guys like Calais Campbell, uh, Yannick Ngakwe, and Jacksonville is a team having its own fair share of issues. So, you know, it's not so simple where you take one player, you substitute for the other, and then the Giants are in a completely different position. Clearly, it's going to take playmakers across the board to help this defense, not just one guy. One individual pass rusher doesn't make the difference. I mean, look at how the Broncos doing with Von Miller. What's the Bears' record with Cleo Mack? What's the Jaguars' record with all yeah, their good We're talking about rushers? 500 or worse, What's the Eagles' record, who is one of the top pass-rushing yeah, units in the one. league? How about the Cardinals with Chandler Jones and um, Terrell Suggs? Yeah. Another team. I'm, I'm listing all these teams are great edge rushers. What's their record? None of them are any good. So it, it takes – look, you need that guy, but he's a piece of the puzzle. The quarterback is what drives you. 
at some point. Well, and also what you just laid out is complementary football is what drives you, John. Correct. You know, you can have a great defense, for example, the Bears, and the offense has been somewhat anemic this season. So, you know, there's going to be games where you give up 19 points, but your offense can only score 17. So what good is that? And then you have teams that have unbelievable offenses like the Saints when they went 7-9 and nine three years in a row and Drew Brees had no defense. So he could put up 35 right. points, they give up 40, and they lose the game. And now so, they have a defense, all of a sudden Drew Brees is winning games again. Yeah, and it, it's not a surprise yeah. because complimentary football is what wins in this All game. right, two more calls. Len in Columbia, Maryland is up next. Hey, Len. Hey, guys. How you doing? So how long did you make it in the stands through that terrible weather on Sunday? Well, I didn't get there. Oh, I don't wow. blame Len, honestly, I don't blame you. And by the way, one other well, thing real well, quickly. Well, it was, it, was, it was by design, yeah. and it was all about uh, 50 years of history on the, uh, uh, the um, roadway between New York and Washington, D.C. on a Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah, I don't and, and, and by, and, by the um, way, Daniel Jones so did pretty my, well so in that my weather. Seatmate, uh, I must admit. Diehard Giants fans grabbed grabbed the two tickets for his sister. Oh, that's good. So, but uh, yeah, I didn't get there. Looked miserable. Yeah, I did. Um, I was in the booth. Actually, from the um, <laughs> sorry, Howard. You know, from the from the sports bar stool, it looked kind of like fun rolling around in the snow. Uh, but I'm sure it wasn't. And yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, what can you say? I mean, eight in a row. Uh, you know, it's a bad team playing bad. And, um, you know, I don't see it getting any better. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the coaches, guys. I mean, that's going to be an ownership decision, obviously. It's probably even going to be above Gettleman. I think those two owners are going to make the decisions. Dave's not going to be able to sell this to them. They're just going to have to decide what direction they want to go. It's going to be tough to sell to this market. I mean, this is not Jacksonville. You can't sell eight losses in a row, nine losses, franchise record. Last time that happened, they fired the coach. They got to seven, and they fired the coach. They lost two more and then won a couple of games, 76. First year at Giants Stadium, by the way. Um, you know, I, th- I, think if, if, I think if Shermer is coming back, he's going to be given a choice. And the choice is he's going to have to make some desperate decisions on defense. He's going to have to get rid of some friends. He's going to have to change some of those assistant coaches. It's not working. You, you don't have to be an expert to see that. It's week after week. We're not losing to the iron of the league. You should be able to, you shouldn't lose eight games to this string of teams we're playing. I know the schedule doesn't mean anything. A year and a half away from starting the season or whatever it is, a year away from starting the season, it gets tougher next year. We should be winning some of these games. There's no reason not to. If I'm ownership, if I'm Mr. Tish, if I'm Mr. Mara, I'm sitting there saying, why are we losing to these teams, to these games and these situations? This, he's going to have to make some choices. There are going to be coaching changes. I think there's going to be big-time coaching changes, even if Pat comes back. Now, if he says, no, I'm not, changing my, I'm not changing my defensive coordinator, if I'm not changing my defensive backfield coach, my linebacker coach, if I'm not changing those guys, uh, you know, if I'm not making some changes on offense, he's not coming back. This is, going to be, this is not going to be Dave talking to Mr. Tish and Mr. Mara saying, here's what we should do. Mr. Mara and Mr. Tish are going to lay it out at the end of the season. And you know what? I trust them. I trust them to do the right thing. Whatever they do is okay with me. All right, if they think Pat's the guy, if they think Pat's the guy, Pat's the guy. I'm going to go with it. How was your Thanksgiving, um, Len? Was it good? <laughs> a little turkey? Okay. Do a little turkey? Was it good? Yummy? <laughs> Okay, listen, thanks for taking my call. Hey, look, look at this. You keep working. There's 25% of the season left. We got four games left. Oh, I know, Len. We got two, yeah. we got two home games and three division games left. We do. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I know. Oh, my goodness. Two against Philly. All right, guys, thanks for taking my no, call. No, always good to hear from you, Len. Thank you very much. Thanks for weighing in. And we appreciate your take, and obviously I don't, we don't know how that process is going to go, but that's your opinion, and, and, and you're welcome to it. 201-939-4513, and we saved the best for last for Lance. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Charlie! Hey, guys. Hey, look. Let me say this. For one thing, Gettleman didn't have to destroy the team. 
He didn't have to trade Odell. He didn't have to get rid of Snacks. He didn't have to get rid of Kennard. He didn't have to tear down. This was his choice. It wasn't. It didn't have to be this way. He had some good Charlie, players. Charlie, hold on one second. Just, 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 just real quick. No, 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 no. I'm not going there. This is where I'm going. Okay, with that. okay, go ahead. You realize Snacks has been bad with Detroit this year, right? Like he hasn't played well. You realize that, right? You realize Eli Apples hasn't played very well with New Orleans, right? He hasn't played as good, but he's been playing better than what we've got. Olivier and Vernon hasn't been on. No, 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 no. Olivier, Olivier Vernon hasn't been on the field else. in been Cleveland. Yeah, so hurt. all the guys that you listed that that you hate that he got rid of, they haven't really contributed much. And Odell's having the worst year of his career, by the way. Yeah, but he wouldn't be having the worst his, his career if he was still with the Giants. Okay. I don't know. I was told that, that, that Baker Mayfield was going to unleash him, but that's what I heard before <laughs> the year. That's just me. I didn't say that. No, I'm, I'm kidding, Charlie. I'm making a joke. Yeah. Okay, and the other thing is, is it, it, what is Barkley talking about? What do you mean? He said, he said in practice, we're a 10-2 team. You're not playing anybody. Oh, yeah, you should be true. 12 and zero. <laughs> You're not playing anybody. I think he's the point, team Charlie, the point in practice when he's not playing. Charlie, anybody. The, I think the point he's making is that they're to the team is still engaged. Well, they're putting point. good effort. That's what I'm pointing out. Okay, that's okay. Fine. Well, I'm, nobody's <laughs> right? telling you, but Charlie, kind of but Charlie, point, but you know it? what? You know what? You're also laying out which is my belief, there's only so much investment you should put into what players say in the post-game pressers or what they say during the week. At the end of the day, they got to go perform on Sundays no matter what they say. You, you may agree with everything they say, and they still may not perform on Sunday. So what good is it to go overly crazy over a soundbite taken out of context, which at the end of the day means absolutely nothing? Because your point is, if practice is going well, and they believe practice is going well, and they are engaged, and I'm not doubting any of that. If it doesn't translate to Sundays at the end of the day, why are we having a conversation over a meaningless soundbite? Exactly. Well, and it's just, <laughs> just, it's just the, the stupidity of it. And the other thing is, look, Daniel Jones is leading the league, 23 turnovers. He had three in 21 turnovers, Charlie, but who's counting? Huh? I, I know. The, the facts, God forbid you get anything accurate. What did you say? I said Sam? 21 is the accurate number. You're giving no, him two more. No, it's not. He, had, he, play, he fumbled He's got 10 lost fumbles and 11 four, interceptions. Four snaps in the Dallas game, and you guys never count that. What, in terms of the Dallas game? How many, and how many turnovers did he have in the Dallas game? In the first Dallas game. Yeah, the first Eli Dallas game at the starting, end of the game. He, he had the one fumble. So you explain to me how you're getting to 23 then. You still explain to me how you're because, getting to 23. Because the, the data that I saw, he was 19 turnovers, and he had three in this game, and he fumbled. So, and how is that 20? And Scott was a fumble. No, but, that, no, but, it, no, but Charlie, but that, that wasn't recovered by the other team. It's not a turnover if it's not recovered right, by the other I'm team. Just, I'm just throwing that in there because, <laughs> you just again, read it, yeah, he didn't lose the fumble, <laughs> but he fumbled again. No, Charlie, look, look, Charlie. Is you can't, now, let me just say this. And by the way, that's on you the got, exchange. It's not necessarily a Jones fumble, but okay. You got Miami, and you got the Bengals. They were losing like crazy. What did they do? They both went back to their veteran quarterback, and they started winning. And if we don't go back to Eli these last four games, we are not going to win another game, and Jones is going to break the record for the most turnovers in history or any quarterback in the season. <laughs> First of all, I don't know what that record is. Do you? No, well, yeah, I do. What, what is it? That, that can't is, be the yeah, record. Yeah, 23 by Winston, his mentor, Jameson Winston. He's 2.0 of Jameson Winston. <laughs> or Jameson. And if they keep playing this guy, they're insane. They are insane. We know who he is. We know what he can do. I don't and even we know, know what he can't do. He should sit and, and we should responses. win a game, and you need Eli to win the game. Charlie. He is not going to win a game. Charlie. Ever. How many, how many wins do the Bengals have, by the way? Doesn't matter. We we should be one and a, one and eleven too. The stupid field goal kicker missed. That's the only reason we're not one and eleven. We were tied with the Bengals. Charlie, so don't give me that, Lance. Charlie, look. What, you, what, what look. am I giving you? I have no responses to anything you say, Charlie. I haven't given you anything. <laughs> Charlie, I've lost Charlie, the words at this Charlie, point. look, look. No one will argue, and I'm not going to argue for a second that Daniel Jones's turnover issues are a problem. I think it was good to see this week, and this is one of the good things that I was going to bring up, and then I'll address the interceptions too because that's obviously something you don't want. Uh, there were two different situations where pass rushers came in, swiped at the ball, hit Jones really hard on the arm as he's holding the football, and he held on to it both times. So I do think 
That was a good sign in terms of ball protection, in terms of not fumbling. Now, as for the interceptions, and I've said this before and I'm consistent, the interceptions have always worried me a lot more than the fumbles do. Because I think that the fumbles can be corrected with proper mechanics. Like the two plays I mentioned, he had two hands on the football. The interceptions are a problem. And 11 interceptions and 11 starts, or 11 interceptions rather in 10 starts, 11 games, is too many. He's averaging two turnovers a game. It's hard to win that way. And if that continues, Charlie, you're right. They are not going to win many games if he's averaging two turnovers a game. No one's going to argue that point. It's it's, it's a statistic, and it's accurate. Now, when it comes to the interceptions, the the three picks in the game were different. Uh, The one to Shepard was a simple bad play on an overthrow. Uh, That was the second one. The first one was a bad decision. He tried to throw a comeback route against two deep man under coverage when the corner is in what they call trail technique, which is basically trailing the receiver between the quarterback um, and the receiver. So that comeback route does not work against that coverage. That's a ball he should not have thrown. That was the one Kevin King got. Yes, that was the first one of the game. That was a big mistake. And then, and we've talked about this before, you know, it's great. Daniel Jones will throw contested balls up and trust his receiver to go out there and make the play. Well, guess what? When you're willing to make those throws sometimes, sometimes Darius Slayton's going to go up and make the play. Other times, there's going to be a little something off with the timing and location, and the quarterback's going to go up there and make the play, and that's what happened on that play. But, Charlie, you're right. And Daniel Jones, right now, if even if you go by pro football focus, they track what you call turnover-worthy plays, which mm-hmm. even counts dropped interceptions um, as a turnover-worthy play, right? He is only he's second most in the league this year and just, I believe, one fewer than Jameis Winston. It's Jameis, by the way, not Jameis. Jameis. Jameis Winston. Jameis. Right. So that's a big problem. It has to get fixed. But I think you have to give the young quarterback more than one season to fix it. Hey, and I'm I, not saying that, but we okay. don't need to have him play any more this season. No, but, Troy, mean, but every game, every game right. of experience he gets yes. now will help him later. What, you know what I mean? He's had enough. He hasn't gotten better. He needs to sit and watch Eli. The last four games, try to win these games. The best chance to win, the gut feeling is, for me, the best chance to win is Eli. And Tish and Myra know that. And they should tell Shermer to sit him down, let Eli finish the last four games, and we might win two out of those four. And how does that help Daniel Jones? A win. And how does that help Daniel Jones? And the franchise long term. By by sitting and watching and learning and seeing what he's been doing. Wait a minute, Charlie. Do you do you Charlie? Do you think do you think that Daniel Jones on a Monday when he comes into the facility? He just throws a ball against the wall and stares at the sky. What do you think he's going back and watching, Charlie? Eats lunch. <laughs> yeah, he eats lunch. Uh, he's my, not like, getting better, Lance. So no, but you he just said you just games. said he has to it's sit. Time to sit. No, yes, but Charlie, it's time he, to sit. And if we had a coach with any, any, you know. Yeah, forget yeah, it. Yeah, you're lost for words. You're lost for words. We're lost for words on that note, Charlie. Thank you. And who knows if the next coach is even going to keep Jones on the team. Thank That's you. All right, Charlie. Thank you, Thank Charlie. You. Charlie, we got it. We got it. But here's the bottom line. <laughs> There's no way a guy learns more from not doing something than yeah, doing it, something. It just, it's not logical in, the die in terms has of been, the response. Charlie, we tried to explain this to you in week four. The die has been cast, all right? Barring an injury, look, and maybe will they give Eli some, you know, snaps in the final home game because it's the final home game and it could be, Perhaps. you know, if he's going to retire, will they give him some looks? Who knows? I don't know. We'll address that when we get there. I'm sure that's going to be a fun week of calls. Um, <laughs> from Charlie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, from, and I'm sure there's other fans that are going to want to see that too. And if I, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll see what happens and how they handle that. But, look, guys, these are the growing pains of a, of a young quarterback. And the bottom line is this. If Jones figure these things out and works through it, I think we've seen enough where you think he can be a pretty darn good quarterback. If he fixes them only to a point, then you're going to have a quarterback that's not as good. If he, if this is what he is and he's not going to get better from a turnover perspective, then, yeah, you're in trouble. But to expect there to be no progress or improvement from a rookie quarterback that works his butt off, is smart, is diligent, is smart, understands the position, I, I think that's not likely. I think you, you expect to see improvement. So that's what you hope going forward. And every game that he plays, as Carl Banks l- likes to say, every time the first time he sees something is the first time he's seeing something in the NFL. And the more first times he has and he gets out of the way this year, 
the better he's going to be moving forward. Yeah, because you hope he stores them, and then he goes back to the archives when he all of a sudden sees some similar experiences. Look, you see the touchdown pass he threw to Sterling Shepard. It was a great throw with pressure in his face, John, and Shepard deserves a lot of credit because he made a magnificent grab with his fingertips. And how about the pass to Slayton that got called back on the offsetting penalties? The 29-yard completion. Yeah, so you know, you're know you seeing those flashes, and then at the same time, you see the three interceptions. Now, he hasn't had one clean game, so you know nobody's going to get in front of a microphone here on this show and tell you that you know everything has been rainbows and lollipops because uh, that would be a naive perspective. So I'm not trying to... Unfactual. It would would be incorrect. Correct. So, you know, that has to be cleaned up. We we go back to turnover differential. The Giants are minus 14. Are they worse in the league now? I don't know exactly what happened with the Dolphins, so I did not necessarily look at how it played out, but I can answer that question right now because we can bring it up. But I will tell you, minus 14 is not good, no matter how you spin (laughs) it, okay? Whether they're second to last, they're dead last. They are tied with the Dolphins now. They're tied now. For dead last, Mm -hmm. minus 14. And they were minus three in that game against Green Bay, by the way. When you continue at this rate, you're not going to win football games. I don't care how much talent you have on the team, John. You're going to put yourself in a precarious spot game in and game out. You might pull one off here or there, but But you're not going to win consistently. It's virtually impossible. And you also have to play everything else to perfection. Bingo. Okay, when you turn the ball over. So Daniel Jones is contributing to the turnover differential, which is why it has to stop. It's got to be cleaned up. Every team that has turnover issues, it always comes back to the quarterback because he handles the ball on every play. He's obviously going to be a source of that. It's the way it goes. Absolutely. And, and look at the teams at the bottom of the NFL, John, in turnover differential. And then it's no surprise when you look at their record. The bottom four teams in turnover differential are the Falcons, the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Giants. Are any of those teams going to the playoffs this year? Nope. So it's synonymous and with the, winning and losing. And the Packers, I think, are now plus 11, right? Weren't they plus 8 they heading were plus into that eight, game? And now they're and plus they 11. And they're now plus 11. You're 100% right, which is tied for a second. I'll take it a step further. They also are really good in terms of protecting the well, football. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Two interceptions. Over 20 touchdowns and two interceptions out, 22 touchdowns to be exact, and the Packers have the second-fewest giveaways in the NFL with eight. And that's always been Roger's strength. He does not turn the ball does not give gifts to the opposition. No, he does not. Anyway. All right, Lance. Good times. Absolutely. Well, somewhat good times until the end of the show, but go ahead. Yes. (laughs) Let's not give... uh, too many pats on the back to our uh, last voice on this program. Tomorrow, I'm told Tino might try to walk here through the snow, so we'll see if he makes it. <laughs> no, he's going to sleep here tonight, I'm told. They're going to open up the back door for him to put up a cot. That's what my sources have told It'll me. be Tino and Salzburg with you tomorrow at 1.30 for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. And again, just a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is again on its own podcast feed. If you tried to get us in the Giants audio podcast, we're now on its own separate independent feed. We want to make sure you get your Big Blue Kickoff Live content and nothing else if that's what you want. So make sure you find it on your favorite podcast platform. And we'll also, of course, be on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. Thank you for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by Coors Light. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.30. Be safe out there on the roads, everybody. Have a great night. Have a good one.